And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there's to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we are a little bit biased. I am your host, Brian and Casey. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. Follow the show on Twitter. That is at HEF pod of course you can always follow us uh on facebook that's facebook.com slash hef pod uh there we post all the latest news and information covering the eintracht frankfurt in the english language all in one convenient location why would you want to go anywhere else for that uh sort of stuff and of course uh if you want to keep on getting interactive with us uh interact with us on instagram that instagram is hey eintracht frankfurt and more than a hint, you get snippets of the podcast that kind of gives you a heads up when the new podcast is being released. If you have not subscribed to us, ways that you can do that, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, you can give us a like and a rating. And, of course, share us with your fellow Eintracht friends or your fellow Bundesliga uh, uh, friends, especially if you happen to be uh, friends with people who are facing the Eintracht in the upcoming weeks. A lot of people. You'd be surprised with uh, the amount of ups and downs we get in terms of uh, number of listens. That is based on exclusively who uh, the Eintracht will be facing for their next opposition. So, here to talk about the Eintracht match, the Eintracht opposition, and all the latest Eintracht news and information is the man who has no NFL team to cheer about for the next uh, six to seven months. Chris in Detroit, how you doing? I am solidly on the Tariq Hill bandwagon. I don't really care about the rest of your Chiefs, but that man is a freak of nature, and I love watching him. <laughs> you can count me He's in the Chiefs kingdom for the next three weeks. All right. Uh, I will be in. The plan is that uh, I will be in attendance for the Chiefs' upcoming playoff match, so I will either be cheering loudly uh, whilst ahead you know, in a decent temperature or freezing my buns off and doing the same thing at the same time. So that being said, uh, let's talk about something that made us feel all a little bit cold inside. That was Eintracht's 1-1 draw with FC Augsburg. Oi, Chris, to start off your Sunday, especially one such as I, who did have something else that was going on later in the day, sports dean-wise, there's nothing worse than uh, not getting the full points on Augsburg. If there is, I think it is those bloody people who keep on blooding on, uh, whacking away on the freaking trash cans within the stadium that were so annoying. I think that is worse than the way the uh, things turned out. Well, you know, it's kind of a double whammy for me because I have my regular daytime job uh, on Sundays always without fail no way out of it and so it sucks being there on a sunday watching a miserable football match and not being able to pour a drink i mean maybe i could i don't think anyone would care but uh yeah i'm gonna save that one for off air but (laughs) you know it we kind of came out and we were feeling each other out a little bit i thought we had a Good spell of possession very early on, which was kind of the opposite of what we've seen in the last few matches where we started off slow. Uh, So I was encouraged by that a little bit. And then we fell back a little bit and just got discombobulated. I, 
I'm kind of tired of trying to feel things out early because that first 15 minutes, you want to see yourself get into a rhythm, get into a flow. That's just not our style. You know, there's nothing you can tell about the rhythm of the match for us as far as the way we start off the match. I think that is a good way of putting it. Um, look at the way that the Eintracht did attack uh, in the way that the goal was scored by Daichi Kamada. Uh, the island suddenly had something to talk about. But the thing was, Chris, how did it come about? You had a Rolda, you know, uh, take away in the midfield and blasted up there uh, to the head guys. You had Bore, you had Kamada, and you had Lindstrom, uh, kind of three guys in the counterattack. And Augsburg did not mark Kamada at all. And uh, Kamada put the goal away in the back of the net. And from the way I saw it, that very much screamed how the team was planning on playing, planning on attacking uh, Augsburg because there were moments that the Eintracht had possession of the ball for multiple minutes at a time in the Augsburg half and nothing ended up happening. Which, I mean, so many, how many teams can usually complain about that? A vast majority of them, but still, when your best opportunities were on the counterattack and you really never provided something when you had the ball yourself, with time, with space, ugh. We kind of discussed it on the social media platforms before the match, when the news came out that Trap and, um, and Kostic were going to be out. We talked about, well, there's no way we're moving the ball up the wings. Because Chandler and Torre don't have the quality to make that happen, or the speed, really. Uh, Torre more so than Chandler. But it, the over-the-top thing has worked in the past when we've struggled on the wings. And granted, it took a, a nice uh, turnover to do it. But I thought the way we pushed it forward, Bore played the man up. It was brilliantly done. Um, Bore is, to me, our hottest player right now. I think the stats back it up in recent weeks. Um, he is absolutely on fire. He's not the guy who's going to be having an impact 10 times a match, but when he turns on those jets, when he makes a nice play with the ball, you can see his confidence brimming. For the next 15 to 20 seconds, you're going to get that burst of relentless speed and energy. And, I mean, that's what put us ahead, having the, the vision and and the quality pass there to Kamada really put that together in a way that we've struggled to put goals together without counting the cross in recent weeks. I think that is a uh, well put. I mean, the way that we dispossessed the ball really quickly and moved it, it showed was what we can be. Yeah, it was Rhoda who had uh, made the disposition, disposition that, that led to the goal. only good play of the game. Uh, he was only, really the only player I wanted to rail on as being not good in this match. I just, I can't. Uh-huh. Now, that, that was a solid play. Nothing against that at all. Um, but I thought we needed more up the middle, and I didn't see that from him. So you're saying that uh, in this case, perhaps more could have been had by the typical duo that sits in the central of midfield for the Eintracht uh, with Jakic in place of Rhoda there from the start, as opposed to Jakic coming on in the 79th minute. Yeah, it wasn't broke. I don't know why we tried to change something. 
I think I know why. I think it's because 100% that they look at Rhoda and they're like, nope, you're the wearer of the, you are the man who's wearing the captain's armband. You are the captain yourself. And so because you are the captain, you must be played. I don't adhere to that necessarily. I do think that one of your two captains should. In this case, that would have been Hasebe at the back. Uh, a back three of Indika, Tuta, and Hasebe. Um, I think that would have allowed the Eintracht to have... I mean, we would have had something just a little bit more. So a little bit better when it comes to being able to spray the ball around. Not that we had all that much going on. Let's be totally honest. Kamada... Well, you know, great goal. He had, he had like a couple of moments, but that was just it. They were a couple. Not like, hey, when you see him score and you suddenly run and he shows flashes of him being on, then you're like, oh, this is the guy that we love to roast when he, he is crap because he will then have his moments where you're like, wow, this guy's really good. But, you know, with the way that, you know, things played out, you know, he had – Trap and he had Kostic, uh both out. Kostic being linked with uh, moves elsewhere, but you know it was in both of their cases them out due to medical reasons. You know I would have been fine if Kamada had been saved for on the bench. You know and having a true stick being played uh, in Kamada's place. Uh, you would have now. I think. I think this is where. Glasner was thinking in that Kamada at least offers you like two or three more inches at the very least in height over a stick. So in terms of someone who can head the ball, you know, or is more likely to head the ball over someone else uh, in terms of, you know, uh, just a ball in the air. I think Kamada uh, at is at six foot is a little bit not that he's yeah exactly you know he's only six foot but he's like two inches taller than freaking Hrustic who is on the shorter side and you've seen Kamada you know uh get his moments from heading the ball uh for goals or even close to goals uh he had one real open chance that he just kind of whiffed over the bar that you're just like oh Come on, just a little bit lower, and then we'd be celebrating your brace rather than just hey, good goal on a counterattack. Yeah. So, and I mean, on the other side, on the right side, Lindstrom had some chances that did not get finished off either. So, oh gosh, it's, it's it hadn't got there yet. On that left side. Yeah, I hadn't. Uh, I was wait. I was saving that man. I was saving that, but okay, we'll I mean, this this is like if you want to look back at. Uh, the preseason's version of Eintracht, who is a player that is playing in that position who would have been able to make something happen? Who's also short. Are you talking like far back preseason? Eunice. If Eunice had not had everything, if everything didn't happen around him, that would have been a player who you would have thought would have put one of those away or would have been able to have created a spark when you know the sparks we were sputtering because we were and we were thinking okay who are we going to go to on the bench you know players who have played and given us sparks 
Uh, I will always uh, be in the Barcock side of things, mostly because, you know, a kid coming through the academy, even though everything points to him being uh, headed out the door. You know, we've seen sparks from Hurstic. Uh, when we put Paciencia on, I don't really think he works in that sort of role uh, as an attacking midfielder, but he just does seem to have some, like, sick, like, sense about, you know, you put him in that moment and that ball will be in the back of the net or Jens Pertahag when he was at least healthy, you know, was an option there, but I really was looking on at in the latter stages of the match. And I'm like, Fristik isn't going on. That says a little something right there. And that, you know, the coach looks at him and probably thinks of him as, you know, persona non grata and he's going to be out the door. Um, in the offseason, which sucks for the player, as Australia is likely to qualify for the World Cup, and a player who's having to, who's expected to be on the World Cup roster, you would want to, you know, getting be getting established playing time, and yet he's had more established playing time, Hurstic, that is, in playing for Australia than he has for Eintracht, and that international window is coming up right, right on the heels of our next match. Well, look, if all these players that we assume are one foot out the door, not necessarily on their own, but on the club's opinion as well. If all these guys we think are headed out the door actually leave, we don't have a roster left. We barely have any money left to bring guys in. So I'm not so convinced yet that we're pushing people out the door as much as we're trying to establish our lineup. And while Lindstrom didn't have a great game by the standard he's set in the last month for us um or month and a half i guess we really we struck gold with him i'm sticking with that sentiment the one bad day where he should have taken a couple shots should have made a couple better passes um i'm not going to say he cost us the match he cost us a shot at the match but that's not entirely on his shoulders Uh, there were a lot of other areas where we were weak as well uh we'll agree on that um Let's talk about other weaknesses that we had. Torre, it had been a minute since we had seen him uh, on the pitch for us. Um, we're going through the negative bits before we get to our one shining uh, German, well, uh, German Kosovovian uh, uh, football player. Uh, but Torre, oh, God, it showed how, how match fitness-wise the boy had not been Part of things for a minute, a long minute, and it uh, it was just frustrating. It was frustrating to see him struggle the way that he did out on the right. And all I can think in my head was, you know, put so put Chandler on the right to kind of give us a little bit more width because he does play better on the right. And if we did have a healthy Chris Lentz. Oh, we would have been, in my book, perfectly fine because you him on the left, Chandler on the right. I think, like, you know, considering what we had at our available, like, still considering, like, how many players were gone from, you got players out injured, you play, have players out with COVID, you have players out, one player off on international duty who would have all, in my mind, quite possibly have made an it made an impact or could have made an an impact that were just unavailable. And 
as much as it sucks, like we've seen when Torrey is good that he is incredibly good, but this was I mean this was just one of those matches where it just showed that hey, when if you when you have an established eleven that uh the players outside the eleven can be a bit of a rust bucket when they come in. Yeah. Uh Torrey picked up his yellow card in the 50th or so minute Chandler had one right before halftime so we're sitting on two guys one on each side on yellows which defensively kind of leaves Indica and Tuta out on islands one-on-one not that they can't handle it but it's nice to have that physical presence in the mid and that was just kind of taken away from us I think we should have substituted a little bit earlier just if nothing else to afford someone the ability to take a card or be extra physical where they could. And you could kind of tell on that right side that they targeted that. I mean, their, their goal came from a play on that side before the yellow card, uh, but they mm-hmm. definitely tried to play that side of the pitch to their advantage. True. Uh, I would agree with that. I do think Timmy, gotta love, God love him, he is a kind of like extremely dependable sort of player. I did see from uh, the internet chatter, especially for those who uh, were specifically following this for another American who was on the pitch on the other op- on the opposition side. There are a lot of folks who were like, oh, my God, I forgot how good Timmy Chandler is. And I think one person realized I'm seeing Timmy Chandler here and I'm realizing that this isn't even the side that he plays on. And yet, we can't seem to. It was it was a very American centric look of not for fuck's sake. Like, uh, why the hell couldn't we ever figure out how the hell to get this version of Timmy Chandler out from the United States? And yeah, it was a it was a interesting match from that standpoint. Um, but let's get to the player who we really have been wanting to talk to talk about. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we already mentioned that Kevin Trapp uh, was out. Uh, Deont uh, Ramaj uh, took it on the uh, starting role uh, for the Eintracht, not Jens Graal, who kind of the older, more established player, uh, at least in terms of his career. Uh, we we went with the young guy, and okay, could, was the goal conceded? A hundred percent, not just a hundred percent preventable, but you know, a more established, a more experienced player likely to have made that save. Yes, but we saw a couple of saves from this guy, and I really have to say that his report card in my book is a B plus, closing in on an A. And that's kind of hard to say when you um, do concede uh, one goal, but. The fact of the matter is that, you know, uh, Gregorich, that dude just can score goals at the most opportune times for his team. And he is perfect in his role at Augsburg in that sort of capacity. But you got to realize that our guy is so young. He's got he's got such a little amount of experience uh, so far Uh you know, he, I mean, he doesn't even have an, never had an appearance for Heidenheim, despite 
um, earning call-ups to the under-18, 19, and 20 national teams for Germany. Um, he, uh, to me, quite the debut. Uh, a better debut than Brodner uh, was, in my opinion. Uh, he was left out to dry. I don't hold that against him at all. But as far as uh, Ramash here, I thought you could tell he was a little nervous early on, even just playing the ball out from the back, a little bit shaky, a little hesitant to really assert himself. Um, I don't hold the goal against him as much as some might because I question how Grigorich got alone back there by himself. There was a breakdown with sure. the ball over there that never should have happened. You should never have, never have a guy one-on-one within 12 feet of the goal like that. Um, did he make the wrong move on a shot there? Should the goaltender always be within arm's reach of the post when the ball is on the line like that? Absolutely. Uh, he made a bad call there. I don't think he would argue it either. But after that, he was absolutely lights out. You could see the influence of being behind Kevin Trapp, getting those those second-team touches behind him in practice really pay off. He was aggressive coming out, punching the ball away. He was commanding defenders on corners where he wanted them. A couple of free kicks uh, in semi-dangerous places where you have unique positioning and, and guys moving around. He was in control of that. He said, I want you here. You're going to go here. And guys were listening to him. Uh, to me, he earned the opportunity uh, to be Kevin Trapp's backup, and I wouldn't be concerned about putting him in again if necessary in the next few weeks when we're playing. Uh, uh, well, how do I say this? I called Augsburg lesser competition while we're playing uh, bottom, bottom half, portion of the table. Bottom half table teams. I'm going to be far more respectful of our opponents because every time I talk shit, I get bit in the ass. <laughs> You would think as a Lions fan you would have learned your lesson. Well, that's the reason I like hashtag what are we drinking. True, true. Um, yeah, I really liked what I saw from the kid. And the promise, it's there. And look, Kevin Trapp, uh, until now, has always been healthy and able to play for us. He did uh, break down, what, last season? And that was kind of... The scary shit, really scary shit. But you know what? At the end of the day, I look at the way he, Kevin Trapp, has taken care of himself. And I re- got to realize that whilst he's done incredibly so at 31, you're going to have like, you know, just a little injury here that's going to keep you out in a couple weeks. They will happen. And it's all, and you need to have that backup that you can always depend on and everything. And I think we now have it. And I was actually incorrect. I was thinking of the 1920 season when we had, uh, oh God, uh, we had Viedvald along with Ronald uh, in our back line. I don't know if anyone remembers. KT went down. Ronald took uh, on that role and Ronald then broke down. And then we had Viedvald in back and I think everyone uh, everyone in the Bundesliga looked at that and thought to themselves, oh boy. <laughs> and we're thinking that uh, Eintracht was going to have a real bad time of it. But you know what? Look, I think I think you're right. I think we found the guy. 
Um, I am kind of wondering if going forward that we might want to start give look, we're still in an unbelievable position to qualify for Europe. If top four didn't happen, then I would even put it down to the to letting KT know it's like, hey, you know what? Let uh, let him take uh, take on the first round of the Dave Polkow. Let's hope that we actually don't lose in that one. And if he and if you know we progress and we have a really weak team, you know what? It's that midweek game. Let him take that on. Let him take on the um, Europa League or uh, UEFA Europa Conference League. Let him get those kind of reps in that you need when you're a young player to some rather, maybe not like hardcore consistent reps, but the kind of reps that you need to kind of grow as a player so that when you're called on, you're able to uh, come off the bench without any rust on uh, the legs or anything in the way that that. Toure showed. I'm with you on that, but I don't think you do it in Pokal situations because that's one and done. I mean, we couldn't win with Kevin Trapp in goal. So that's not the kind of position I want to put a young guy in as a backup. Uh, That's when you want to get the flow of your season started. It's this stretch of the season where we play bottom five matches, uh, four out of five or so, where you say, I'm going to give you two of the five if the table allows for that, if we can take that risk. Um, mm-hmm. But again, Well, you know what? If we, do, well, if we face uh, if we face uh, Stuttgart or Heidenheim, I'm just going to look at Kevin Trapp and be like, you okay with letting him take it, take it to his former employer's? KT is uh, he grew up. Okay he grew up. Though, you know that. He he's, he wouldn't. He probably would be. He probably would chuckle at it and say, "You want to take on Stuttgart? All right." Kind of like how if uh, like Kevin Trapp early in his career when he was with the Eintracht, like you know when I mean, God, we still technically had uh, some of the real. I would say more older, uh, older players still left on the team, but oh, um, I think we might still have had Oka Nikolov when uh, we ended up finish uh, playing in the Europa League. If memory, if my uh, dogged memory does serve, like Oka Nikolov was making appearances for the Eintracht during that time, but it very much was a time of Kevin Trapp coming through. And, you know, you definitely would have let KT uh, have taken the match against Kaiserslautern, his former employers, you know, on, because he really would have relished, you know, that opportunity. But I, I'm i just giving them an example of where it's like, okay, well, if he doesn't play in, you know, the Pokal, where is he going to play? And I'm like, well, I can always play against Heidenheim in the Pokal or Stuttgart in the Pokal. Or Stuttgart in the league, which is coming up real soon. Though Capitap uh, should be all ready to go for the next Eintracht match. Chris, we've talked about this match enough. Are you ready to get to your favorite part of the podcast? Let's do it. All right, folks. It's time for hashtag What Are We Drinking? Every episode, we always come in with some uh, uh, 
ideas uh, for what maybe you should be drinking or basically what we are creating in our basements, what we love to share with everyone else is uh, what are we drinking? So, Chris, what do you got? Because you always got something. Yeah, this is a cool one. I picked it up from my local market. I haven't had it before. Uh, Very unique learning the story behind it. It is from Endless West. It's a uh, whiskey made through molecular, scientific, very, you know, like smart people shit. Uh, they put together this whiskey called <laughs> Glyph, and it's it's not too heavy, uh, only 30%, or sorry, 43%, uh, but it's smoky, it's spicy, some earth tones to it, a really affordable whiskey, but super high in flavor, well-reviewed. Definitely check it out, uh, Endless West Glyph. There you go. Um, I have the same Adams at Reunion IPA. It's kind of hoppy and citrusy, you know, not too bad for a kind of winter hoppy uh, beer. Worth checking out. Uh, the likelihood that is that the only way to check that out is if you get the big Sam Adams sampler, winter sampler pack, which has got quite a few beers that I've already referenced on this podcast. So, uh, not too bad. Uh, it's the first time I've ever had it before, and does the job does the job well all right that's gonna wrap it up for hashtag what are we drinking in segment one we'll be back in jiffy with segment two talking about iron tract uh rumors and of course the bundesliga and our uh next match coming up so stay with Brian and Chris back with you. Segment two of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. We've already done enough um, wailing about the match just gone by. Uh, Eintracht will be, of course, back in action. Uh, Right now, uh, the teams in the Bundesliga are uh, experiencing some midweek action in the DFB Pokal. We've lamented enough, I think, on this show of who really kind of of that really bad, bad match against Mannheim, which we're I still try to forget about, but it's got this has got some real interesting stuff that uh, as a neutral, Chris, I really, really am liking. You got a second tier, third tier matchup with eighteen sixty Munich. Yeah, there's only one team from Munich, and it's eighteen sixty Munich that's left in the Pokal, which is kind of hilarious. They're taking on Karlsruhe. You got Cone versus Hamburg. That's a big, big time match. Funny fact is Bochum and Mainz face off against each other literally after they played in the Bundesliga against each other. That's kind of a funny one to think about. You got the Berlin Derby between Hertha and Union. You got a matchup of two uh, East German clubs in Leipzig and Rostock. Just a shame that Rostock couldn't be the host in this one with fans in the stands. I think that would have made a rocking atmosphere. And then uh, 
One that was going to have a lot more eyeballs than others is St. Pauli in Dortmund. I look at that and think to myself, wouldn't that be awesome if Dortmund got knocked out, Hamburg knocked out Kuhn, and you could have had another City Derby within the Pokal in the next round. That would be fun. Uh, but Chris, with no, as much as it sucks us not being in it, no Bayern, things wide open. And it I like really it. Is. Yeah, I know uh, locally here in Detroit, there's a big St. Pauli following. That'll be huge here. Uh, the best kits in all of Germany, not counting our own. I think in 1860 Munich, that would be fun to see. Um, Hertha and Union, for obvious local reasons, will be fantastic. Um, it's too bad there won't be fans because, you know, see that would have been a lovely sold out Olympic stadium. Would be incredible. Incredible. We've yet to, so, like, it's kind of crazy uh, because of COVID. Um, the only time that we've actually seen a fully sold out Olympia Stadion for a Berlin Derby was in the second division. Ever since, um, so, like, uh, when Union got promoted that the COVID year, when COVID interrupted the season, put everything to a screeching halt, uh, the match uh, at the Olympia Stadion was in the spring half. And so uh, that was played behind closed doors. And then last season, I think maybe they had a couple fans in the in the stadium, which, you know, it looked kind of like a normal Hertha match. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, had to put in that dig, but yeah, you're right. The I'm just I'm dying for a full uh, for for full full capacity Olympia Stadion for the Berlin Derby. Like, I mean, it's obvious Union and Hertha are both going to be in the Bundesliga this coming season. Uh, for the 22-23 season, there's no way that thing can be jinxed. There's no way, Chris, that that can be jinxed. Uh, we've seen crazier things happen, especially with Hertha being the, you know, maybe second most diva diva in Germany. Uh, they love to play things dangerously down the stretch. But, yeah, I think they're both going to be back. Um the question is, will the fans be? So go get your freaking <laughs> shots so Brian and I can fly over there and watch a match, please. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, just saying I'd really like to – really, really, really would like to go over there with a full Vald Stadion just singing their hearts out as we're in the Champions League. And I'd like to know what kind of reaction those folks would have when the Champions League music is played because I'm tracked – I looked at the fans that we have, and I'm kind of like, I think to, like, um, I kind of look at the Neapolitans as a Frankfurt light when it comes to the Italian uh, clubs that are out there. And I can keep on thinking about when the, um, I forget what, uh, they renamed it after Diego Maradona. So the Diego Maradona Stadium in Naples. Uh, when they play the Champions League music, they all when the, the the Champions League thing goes, the champions, the fans all chant the champions, and that actually is a pretty cool kind of deal. And I've always kind of wondered, like, how the Eintracht fans uh, hear that music in their stadium? What would they do? Because all so far, all we've had is freaking Europa League, and I'm pretty sure the uh, last time we were in the UEFA, well. God, I guess technically the last time we were in the UEFA Cup, 
or the 0607 group stage. I mean, maybe there was a theme to that, but I mean, we haven't played uh, in the Champions League yet. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. Was it, was it, I mean, totally at the different end of the fan spectrum because they barely have any, but didn't UEFA find Man City fans for booing during the. Yes, they did. Manchester City booed, fans (laughs) booed the anthem. It was the financial fair play thing they were arguing about, but. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're not allowing us to spend our money the way we want. And it's like, you freaking putzes. It's like. I mean, those those fans were louder to, to boo for that anthem than they were to cheer their own team. Exactly. And you know what? I love the fact that that team in blue has yet to win the Champions League. And the longer that that stays on, the better I will like it. End of story. There's, I mean, when it comes to European play, you know what? Hey, good luck to everyone in the Pokal because it's a wide open format, which gives the options of some rural silverware for some of those. Well, maybe not. 15 of those 16 teams have been absolutely starved for some silverware. Dorbin literally just won it, so, you know, that's not really kind of saying much. And the Leipzig fans, I guess you could also throw them out there as a, uh, no, it's not been that long of a wait because it wasn't that long of a wait that they had since they won the second division title. So, you know, there you go. Alrighty, Chris, we wanted to talk about some of the rumors that are going around. Um, some exit rumors that continue to swirl just will not be done. I want Yunus gone, and yet he can't go to Arabia. Why is this thing not happening? Uh, you know, I would like to think that there's a whole lot of things behind the scenes and international you know, markets and visas and all that kind of stuff. I think he's just an asshole, and... Every time someone gets close enough to him, they're like, oh, no, no, we don't like this. I don't know. I mean, he's not with us anymore. I wouldn't give him, I wouldn't give him two seconds of my thought because he doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, very true. It's just when it's, he still technically is attached to our books. I'm all, and people will ask the same questions. It's like, no, go away. Go away and never come back. Like, don't ever dot the German shores ever again. End of story. You know, your time has he's all come. Germany. Your time has he's come. Gonna and dot the shores. He's going to dot the shores. He's from Germany. But it's this, you know, unless you're at training mm. tomorrow morning, uh, I don't care. You're not part of the club anymore. Go do something somewhere. Uh, I just. I we've spent so much time thinking about him. I'd rather think about the ones that are there that could be in that position uh, on the pitch. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, one player who wasn't on the pitch at the weekend was Kostic. He's still being linked to moves now, uh, more so in the written word uh, to England. I keep on thinking in my head that those guys will look at someone who's close to 30 and think we're just going to run you ragged. I keep on wondering why uh, uh, the Milan club has not decided to pull the trigger. But then again, seeing what happened at the weekend, oh God, like, okay, if you want to sign a deal, don't freaking sign a deal until February the uh, 1st. Because then at least it can be all done and dusted and the transfer window can be done. And we can basically... 
freaking try and get as much talent out of, squeeze as much talent as we can out of him to try our damnedest to get top four because the amount of money that then is available for us to replace him just goes up exponentially. And there are so many more benefits that come from playing in the Champions League that it just, just stay away until February the 1st. Sign your deal then, then we can kind of move from there. Which That's all clubs, I'm going to say on that. Which clubs in England were linked to? He's being linked uh, to two of the London clubs in Arsenal and West Ham United. And both teams are, the last time I looked at the English table, are currently sitting in the top six uh, in that league. And I think West Ham is still in the, they won their group, if memory serves, in the Europa League, so they're basically waiting to enter the Europa League knockout phase in the same round that we are. You know what? If if West Ham wants him, we better give him the Lazio fake email address treatment because they tried to fuck us over uh, once before. Yeah, they I want it to happen again. I know, I know. But if we're gonna, I'd rather sell him for as much money as we can in the summer rather than him stick around for two years and then leave for nothing. We're still sniffing at Europe right now. And I have a hard time selling our most valuable player with that kind of opportunity on the line. I know Champions League is a long shot. I mean, I was the guy six weeks ago who said, Brian, you're an idiot. Stop talking about Europe. But here we are. We're talking about Europe. And to go out and... Yes, we need the money. I'm not totally naive to the finances, but you need to give people a reason to come back when ticket sales are available. You need a reason to sell kits this summer with a name that somebody actually wants to see. So, yes, we need to sell them over the summer because we're going to lose them for nothing after that, but do it in a way that sets us up to be successful next year and play in the highest competition possible. If Philip Kostic leaves in this window, we will not make Europe. Sure. I would totally agree with that. It would make things, from a neutral's point of view, really interesting to see what Eintracht is able to do, but it's going to freaking rip our hearts out and cause us overwhelmingly large amounts of stress. Uh, to deal we with it. We would have to ask a lot of guys to step up far beyond what they're capable of right now. Yeah. It's like Rustich. Look, we're the diva. We're the diva on mine. And if I can quote Les Miserables, uh, the, a song that both of us really like, Master of the House, Doling Not the Charm, Ready with the Handshake and an Open Palm. And that open palm is about to, like, we're getting excited, ready to start the match. And we know that open palm is ready to smack us right in the face. Right in the face to the point that uh, we then crap the bed. Speaking of crapping the bed, uh, Amina Bielefeld, only able to get a draw at the weekend. Chris, I think it's about time that we talked about him. And uh, that's who is next. Friday. Bielefeld, Eintracht. Kind of sucks that we're on the Friday, but hey, you know what? This is the final match before everyone goes, uh, before everyone leaves. Uh, uh, Let me rephrase. This is the last match before the January transfer window closes. 
and that we lose what three players uh, from our current team. And uh, we're going to lose Borde to Columbia National Team Call-Up. We'll lose Trustic and we'll lose Kamada to uh, call-ups from Australia and Japan. That's it. The, the rest of the team will basically be able to just train and work. At, hopefully the coach can, you know, really kind of focus in on what he needs uh, from his team therein so that, you know, that first match back, uh, that would be uh, against Stuttgart uh, after the kind of brief January transfer window, which, as I mentioned, is just for the Americas and uh, for Asia, really, because that's the only ones who are participating in it, whilst the African Cup of Nations still goes on and Aaron Barkak is still there with Morocco. Um, Chris, that beautiful team, like, they didn't look very good. It was against Groyta Firth, and yet I keep on looking at them and thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, when did we see the sparks against these team against that team in the three matches that we played against them? We found it they at home because we didn't bury them, so the, their uh, amount of fans that were there started trying to really uh, get into the back of their team, and then they kind of willed themselves back into the match, which. To be honest, like there, like if if that had been an Eintracht team uh, at the end of the Hinrunda, that would have been a win. I do not have any shadow of a doubt that it would have been a win if it was played later in the season. But you know, it was played when it was. I still look at this that team, and I'm like Bielefeld, that is, and I'm not. Scare like okay, yes, we have our issues, but guess what? Trapping Kostic, everything points that those guys will be back. And I mean, looking at the way, looking at the strengths that they have and the weaknesses that they have, all I can look at is you know what? The team is not able to take uh, the not exactly the best at taking the ball away from us. Uh, when it does come to, you know, they're good in the air, but you know what? We're actually really good at attacking set pieces, which will put their defense to challenge. And I really look at them and I'm thinking, um, this is, we're finally going up against a team that we know, not only do we know that we can be, we're back home on solid grounds, you know, that team that we played like against Dortmund would beat this team and would beat them handily, in my opinion. And here again, I'm calling for an Eintracht win. I know that everyone's like, Brian, your record of picking everything is not the world's best, but I'm like, you know what? Stick it. Eintracht wins. Um, Score? I'm going 3-1. Okay. Before I get into this, I have two questions. One uh, is the Costage sitting out definitely medical, or is it transfer speculation? That was from what was that I clarified at all. That was not as clarified as Kevin Trapp because Kevin Trapp came out on the social media yeah. uh, and said, "Hey, I got COVID. Cheering on the team from home." 
And so but my the, the team kind of lumped both of them in the same category without specifying uh, in any particular way uh, with uh, Philip in that case and uh, you know uh, and and for us as well. So I mean, I think <sighs> if if this game was on a Saturday or Sunday and it's you know strictly a medical thing, we have a better chance of seeing Costage. Being on a Friday, losing that, and coming off the Sunday match, no less. Uh, that's two less days of preparation, of medical attention, of rest, or COVID rehab, whatever the case is. Um, but we're two days shorter this week than a typical match week, going from the Sunday to Friday match. Uh, against a team that's far lesser. Um, but we said the same thing about Augsburg. The whole rundown you just did of the match was literally recycling last week's preview of the Augsburg match. Um, difference being very little between them. Augsburg allowed mm. more goals than BLFL did. Uh, they were scoring about the same amount. Uh, statistically, they're similar. Um, but BLFL's playing a little better recently uh, than Augsburg has been. Uh, I don't know. I... I explained it to you off air. You know, podcasts like ours are reactionary. The team has a great week on a Saturday, and then we record on Monday, and we're all high about it. And then we go out and lose or tie in a disappointing way like we did this last weekend. We get on and we're reactionary about it. So when I'm doing this preview, I'm naturally feeding off the negative emotion I feel from the last match. Um, <laughs> that's, that's leading me to dark places. In my, in my preview here, but I do think having Kostic out would hurt us, but I don't know if he's going to be out. So I'm going to have to assume he's coming back. He's a competitor. If he can play, I think he will play. Um, and if he's back, I think we pull out a win. I'm going to say a safe prediction of 1-0, strictly because Bielefeld has 18 goals in 19 matches. Our defense has been pretty good still, even though we've allowed a couple guys behind us to hurt us. We ha still have a reasonably good defense. We allow a lot of goals, but not against bad teams. We allow True. a lot of goals against decent teams. So I think we pull it out 1-0. If Kostic comes back, we might get you know another one in there. I do think you have some some points there with uh, Bielefeld in uh, recent matches. You know, having gotten some more points. I mean, uh, they haven't lost since nearly the beginning of December. Time. But the fact of the matter is that um, in each of their last two matches, they've conceded two goals. And now add to differing levels of teams. You had two goals to Freiburg. Freiburg's going to play open, so you're just going to have to kind of bunker in. So they were able – they conceded those goals. They got goals back on Freiburg because, hey, when you play that open and you're Freiburg, that can happen. Against Goroy to Firth, they had to push because um, if you're not going to push against a Goroy to Firth, you might as well just concede that relegation is going to happen because Goroy to Firth's uh, points tally this year has just been absolutely asininely poor. Um, like when they beat Leipzig right before we went to the Winter Palace, that was just an absolute shock, one-off sort of, in my opinion, result. 
And then you're like, uh, you have to then look at, okay, well, what about the priest match? They won that. And I'm like, yeah, but it was at home to Bochum, one of the other teams that they would have felt like, hey, this is a match that we're comfortable with attack, being the, the attacker and going for it. If you then look beyond that, it's very much uh, we got points at home or points against teams that are just as bad at us as us. I will um, say that I think they're not going to let us sit there and attack. Uh, they're going to mm-hmm. play possession as much as they can. Uh, you guys listening know I'm a table watcher, uh, but they've only allowed only they've allowed 26 goals over 19 matches. But teams ahead of them, Wolfsburg, 30. Uh, Hertha, 38, Gladbach, 35, even even Kong, uh, 32 goals allowed. Uh, Bielefeld's on a minus 8 differential. That's not bad considering you're 16th in the table. Their entire sure. problem is offense, not defense. So mm-hmm. if if they can you know, just play keep away from us, take advantage of our mental lapses on the back line, which seem to happen once or twice a game, they don't have to catch us several times. They just have to catch us once. Uh, with our inability to score goals recently or multiple goals, this might be an opportunity for them if we're not careful. That's why I look at this match and I think to myself, you know what? The Eintracht needs to score and not to score. You have to score in the first half and you have to put the heat immediately on so that Augsburg is not able to kind of regroup themselves. Because if you put two behind them in the first half, Augsburg does not – at least from that standpoint, that you pull that cross, they don't have the horses to be able to kind of cover that. And then your kind of way that you played, I guess, the last half of the la- of the match at home to Dortmund, you get the three points away from that. Now, is that the way that you want to go about things? No, but I think if the Eintracht gets one goal, you need to immediately pour on two more. Try to go for three goals uh, that, uh, you know, in, in the meantime, if you can see the goal, all right. But I'm optimistic you know that the uh, Bielefeld uh, falls behind early and they try to, them opening themselves up, we saw what we can do without a costage in terms of the counterattack. And that made Augsburg players run faster than they probably have run all season long. So. Yeah. That's my prediction. Literally, the the only thing that matters in this match is three points. I don't care how they do it. Um, To go into this two-week break here, having drop points against two teams that are battling relegation would say far more about the troubles we have. So three points, bag, bar, or steal, take them all. 100%. 100%. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Hey Andrew Frankfurt. I'd like to thank Chris and Troy for joining me. Chris, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? Social medias, uh, Twitter, Discord. Oh, shout out to my friend Tina from Frankfurt who hit me up on Peloton because of my shout out on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for riding. We had a good ride the other day on Peloton. Um, on all the socials at CNTheD313. And you can follow me at KCSGE. Follow the show on Twitter. That is at HEFPod. Follow us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash HEFPod for all the English language content covering the Eintracht Frankfurt. And of course, otherwise, again, contact with the show. That is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. That's Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. And of course, 
follow so if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, if this is your first time following us, uh, finding us, congratulations, welcome to the the flurry of eagles that is here. And uh yeah, join the party, share it with your friends, and uh just grow the Eintracht uh, fandom because when the stadiums are ready to be back at full capacity, those are sites that live in the memory uh, until the very moment that you close your eyes forever. That's all I'm going to say. That, <laughs> on that note, that wraps it up here. I'd like to thank uh, everyone for listening in. I'd like to thank producer Nathan for patching this all together. The man does not get enough thanks on a weekend, week out basis. Appreciate you, bud. And uh, yeah, we'll be back again here next week to talk about everything there is to know about Eintracht Frankfurt as uh, we'll be looking at an international break and looking at where we stand within the Bundesliga. So until next time, cheers. There's nothing worse than uh, not getting the full points on Augsburg. Well, that's the reason I like hashtag what are we drinking. Hey, I'm